Welcome to the Let's Talk About It podcast, a modern podcast for the modern society. This show looks at cultural topics from the lens of an African-American male living in the nation as a natural-born citizen, where education, headline news, human rights, politics, and the American diaspora ultimately impact our local and national communities. The premise of this show is to inform and transform our worldview and empower those who are marginalized and oppressed due to the American hierarchy of importance. Nothing is off limits because this nonpartisan program will speak truth to power instead of being politically correct or following a popular narrative. So, if you're ready for what's about to be served, let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Let's Talk About It podcast. I'm your gracious host, Maurice Bowers, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode number four, What's Really Good. If you're a first-time visitor, I greet you with a warm welcome and ask that you go back and check out our program trailer if you haven't already done so. That way you'll have an idea of what's to come from this program and even learn a little bit about me. Then come back and make yourself comfortable. Now, if you've come into the room before, I say welcome back, and I'm glad that you're here. As you get comfortable and we prepare to fellowship with one another, I will offer my listener discretion statement. This podcast isn't for the faint at heart, or those with an agenda to argue what's being shared isn't true or considered fake news. This conversation's going to happen whether you like it or not. It's okay if you become uncomfortable with what you consume. Try listening with an open mind. It won't be as bad as you think. The content you receive today is rich in research, meaning I'm sharing facts, not baseless commentary. Let me be more than clear. I have not earned a doctorate of philosophy. I am not a psychologist nor a therapist of any kind. As such, I will be sharing my critiques and opinions based on my undergraduate education, along with my own perspective relating to the topic. All right? So now that we've gotten that out of the way, this episode is intended to take a look at a few issues right before Election Day in America. We're going to get into the contract with Black America authored by director, producer, and rapper Ice Cube, and why it's causing such hysteria within the Black community. We're also going to talk about political affiliations and how it changes people during the season. This one is important because I'm seeing more division during election cycles, a whole bunch of mudslinging, and even propaganda pushing. I welcome you all into my virtual home, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between. Come have a seat at the table, and let's get into this episode. It seems like each week I have to get into the space of election talk, and it keeps circling with our ability to cast our votes early. It's becoming frustrating and sad because in times past, the information I provided would be enough, and I wouldn't need to encourage you to do something different than my last instruction. But here we are again. Another incident occurred after last week's episode, this time in Baldwin Park. According to ABC7 Los Angeles, investigators are searching for the person who set a fire inside a ballot drop box on purpose, potentially compromising dozens of votes. The incident happened around 8 p.m. Sunday near Baldwin Park and Ramona Boulevards in front of the city's public library. 
Firefighters say someone purposely tossed burning newspaper into the official drop box. Arson investigators have not yet released information about how many ballots were destroyed, but they assume it to be close to 100 ballots were in the box at the time of the incident. Mayor Manuel Lozano is quoted as saying, people are frustrated across the country. It's no different in Baldwin Park. The incident that happened does send a very bad message. As it is, the frustration with the voting box and then this occurs. Fire crews say they did their best to save as many ballots as possible. Those that were collected will be sent to the registrar's office in Norwalk. And what makes this worse is that the incident happened 16 days before election day. And why you might ask? Because there's efforts to suppress votes based on whom a given group assumes the likely winner will be. Notice I said assume. This is because the state of California is overwhelmingly democratic and many residents of this great state are likely to vote in such a fashion. That doesn't mean that Republican voters are less than or their votes don't matter because they matter just as much as any other voter. That's what makes our democracy so strong that we have two parties who help to run this nation in a way that requires both negotiations and compromise. One voter, John Rios, said he's worried because he's placed his ballot in this drop box just a few weeks ago. Mr. Rios went on to say, it makes me very mad because I've never seen it. I've never seen this. I'm 80 years old. I've been voting since I was 19. I've never seen something like this. So you might be asking me, what are my instructions going forward? Well, simple, vote. Because of the current COVID pandemic that's plaguing our nation, you should have received your ballot in the mail, along with your area voter information guide, and possibly even a guide from the Secretary of State of your state. Fill out your ballot once you understand all of the measures and propositions on it. Pay close attention to the instructions on your ballot and complete it as directed. Place your ballot in the enclosed envelopes given to you and make sure to sign it as directed on the back. If you are personally unable to return your ballot, have whomever you choose to return it and sign the authorized return agent signature line or box on the back. Whether you or the authorized party you designate, turn it into your local elections office. Each office is different based on the region or state that you're in. So the name may look like either the county clerk, the recorder's office, whatever the name in your respective region, turn your ballot in there. I can't even comfortably encourage you to use the community drop boxes because they're either sabotaging ballots with fire or placing fake drop boxes within communities. After a cease and desist letter was sent to the California Republican Party regarding their illegal ballot drop boxes, the state GOP says they plan to expand the program. This is exactly why I'm encouraging everyone under the sound of my voice to take your ballots to the elections office so that they can be immediately received and processed accordingly. No longer are the days where voters can have confidence in the use of the United States Postal Service because they're now impacted with the reduction of sorting machines and community blue boxes. I'm not saying any of this to bash one party and highlight another, because the tampering of ballots impacts all voters, not just a particular demographic. This is why I've also encouraged you to track your ballot to ensure it's been received and processed. If you attempt to track your ballot and you know it should have been received by now, go to your local elections office, 
Let them know that your ballot has not been received and they will assist you in verifying that the ballot hasn't been received and allow you to vote there. If your vote didn't matter, groups wouldn't be working so hard to reduce the amount of ballots being received. They wouldn't try to enforce voter ID rules to prevent registered voters from voting, and they wouldn't be so defiant as to go against state or federal orders demanding their tactics cease immediately. I found an image circulating on social media the other day that actually relates to the current state of affairs, especially in our present election cycle. It states that number 45 has managed to bring back the 1918 pandemic, the 1929 Great Depression, and the 1968 race riots all at once. It's sad because the recognition of our nation is the United States of America. Yet we act more like the divided states of America for no reason more than the influence of a majority race acting like the high school bullies who want to rule and have supreme authority in this nation. If only those same bullies had to live a month in the life of minorities and experience what it's like to be subjected to unfair treatment and mischaracterizations for nothing more than hatred being taught to young and impressionable minds, they would be quick to reconsider who they are. Racists and hate groups aren't born that way. It's a learned behavior that is constantly fed from loved ones and a certain community's philosophy concerning people who are different from them. This type of behavior trickles down into election cycles and the ugly side of people tends to come out in rare form, leaving you almost speechless and unable to believe that your friend or acquaintance thinks the way they do. As the great poet Maya Angelou is famously quoted as saying, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. Liberalism, according to the Oxford Research Encyclopedia of Politics, is associated with non-authoritarianism, which is defined as opposing a concentration of power in a leader or an elite not constitutionally responsible to the people. The rule of law, constitutional government with limited powers, and the guarantee of civil and political liberties. A liberal society is tolerant of different religious, philosophical, and ethical doctrines, and it allows individuals to freely form and express their conscientious convictions and opinions on all matters, as well as live according to their chosen purposes and life paths. As it relates to economics, liberalism is associated with an unplanned economy with free and competitive markets, as well as private ownership and control of productive resources. On its face, what can be wrong with aligning oneself with a liberal way of thinking or living? According to right-wing media, liberals are responsible for racism, slavery, and the Ku Klux Klan. The modern Republican Party may be clever in pushing conspiracy theories to rationalize its complicity with a remarkably corrupt administration, but this is an extension of, not a break from, a much longer history. Since its very beginning in the 1950s, members of the modern conservative movement have justified bad behavior by convincing themselves that the other side is worse. In August 1963, Robert Welch, a wealthy retired candy manufacturer and right-wing activist, accused the civil rights movement of being a communist plot to create a quote-unquote Soviet Negro Republic in the South, with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as president. And he blamed Brown versus Board of Education for poisoning race relations in America. 
Welch is recorded as saying, what we want to do is to concentrate the whole opposition to what is happening in the South and resentment of it into one course of action to the movement to impeach Earl Warren. Earl Warren was a Supreme Court Chief Justice who had presided over what was considered to be dramatic rulings in favor of civil rights, ranging from establishing a right to birth control, to abolishing mandatory school prayer, to the greatest sin of all, desegregating public schools. Given this historical context, the idea that the left is immoral, corrupt, and heartless has been an important strain of American conservatism since the movement began. To be civically informed, we all should consider a spectrum of reasonable views. Fake news, baseless claims, and lies are not necessarily in bounds. Number 45 and his proxies are notorious for playing fast and loose with facts and propagated unfounded assertions. This would give opponents reasonable grounds to ignore what he has to say. While you may have noticed the quick shift to recognize the current White House resident, this is relative to the opposition of liberal views and Democratic affiliation. Even though prior to President Barack Obama running and essentially winning office, number 45 was a registered Democrat. What many don't pay attention to is his ability to pull what may be considered a bait and switch of political ideology for the purpose of notoriety, because we all know that his ego is far more cherished and important compared to the actual position he campaigned for and currently occupies. Oh yeah, that? You weren't aware that he's been of different parties? Well, let me help you out real quick. As far as records recall, number 45 was a registered Republican back in 1987 but he switched sides five times since then. In 1999, he became an independent. In 2001, he became a Democrat. In 2009, he reverted back to the Republican Party. In the end of 2011, he chose to become nonpartisan. And in 2012, he again returned to the Republican Party. This inconsistency related to who he is shows that he aligns with groups based on the influence of those he works closest with, rather than belonging to a party as it relates to his own personal convictions. Whomever he can gain the greatest support from, he will pander to their demographic and share whatever information he deems necessary for his audience, whether it's true or not. This type of behavior has lent itself to immoral conduct from his current Republican Party and causes conservatives to view Democrats as the enemy of this nation. Again, this platform I have is nonpartisan, and I'm in no way endorsing one candidate over another. What I will say is that the current administration is led by an individual who is unpresidential and not for all people of this nation, compared to presidents of recent history. Does this mean that people should not align with the Republican Party? Absolutely not, because not all, but many of the conservative ideals are for the benefit of all people. Does this also mean that people should not align their views with the Democratic Party? Again, absolutely not, because not all, but many of the liberal ideals are for the benefit of all people. What is important for people to understand is that you must do your research as it relates to political parties and choose one that fits your beliefs and standards 
so that you will be best represented by leaders whose mission will prove beneficial to you as well as future generations. I don't know about you, but I'm about due for a break. So when we come back, I'll talk about the contract with Black America, authored by legendary icon Ice Cube, and why it's causing such hysteria within the Black community. You're tuned in to the Let's Talk About It podcast. We'll be back in just a moment. Like any parent or guardian, we wish to have access to the best resources and education for our children so that they may reach their goals and dreams, as well as prepare for success in college and their career. One person is working hard to assist the many children that attend the schools within the Linwood Unified School District, and his name is Gary Hardy Jr. Born and raised in Linwood, Gary has been a member of the school district's Board of Education since winning the 2015 general election and he currently serves as the president of the board. He also serves as president of the California Association of Black School Educators, a nonpartisan organization consisting of elected and appointed school officials, administrators, and instructors from across California who are committed to advancing equity for black students. Gary is an experienced policymaker and advisor with a demonstrated history of working in education management and various government platforms. His top priorities consist of expanding access to early childhood education programs to include ages zero through three, ensuring schools are safe, clean, and welcomes parents as partners while increasing parent engagement, and ensuring educational excellence for all students through equity, access, and justice by meeting the individual education and personal needs of every student with the strengthening of the district student services and health collaborative. If that weren't enough, he's also a parent whose daughter is growing in the Linwood School District. Re-elect Gary Hardy Jr. to the Linwood School Board, Linwood Teacher's Choice. Welcome back to episode number four of the Let's Talk About It podcast. Back in July of this year, Ice Cube wrote an op-ed for The Hill concerning police reform, inequality, and reparations, and what has been released as a contract with Black America. I thought it was necessary to address this particular topic because the Black community is upset that Ice Cube has worked with 45's campaign, which speaks to a bigger issue. Because the story was spun to acknowledge his work with the incumbents campaign, instead of highlighting this contract being sent to both campaigns, Black America is quick to call Ice Cube a sellout and working with the enemy. What Black America fails to recognize is that our current election cycle has been reduced to essentially two candidates for the highest office of this nation. That's not to say that other candidates aren't listed as viable options, but the truth of the matter is that our nation elects candidates from the primary two-party system, be it a Republican or Democratic candidate. Other lower offices may elect someone outside of those two parties, but the office of the president has been and currently remains a two-party electorate. What's sad to me is that I've heard people that surround me 
say they will vote for Kanye West instead of voting for either our former vice president, Joe Biden, and Senator Kamala Harris, or the incumbent number 45 and vice president, Mike Pence. First of all, Kanye West is not running for president. Yes, you can write in a candidate, but again, Kanye West is not running for president. He is, however, on the ballot as a vice presidential candidate, which means that is the closest option you have to select outside of our leading candidates. Second, because the overwhelming majority of people in this nation are only voting for one of the two leading candidates, choosing Kanye and his presidential running mate will literally be you voting in the interest of the incumbent. Third, it's our responsibility to select a candidate that closely aligns to what will be in the best interest of all people, not for a given group or a leading figure. Voting for Kanye because you would rather have him than one of the two actual options is almost the equivalent of not voting for a presidential candidate at all. But in reality, it affects the results and leads to the favor of the incumbent or in instances where there isn't an incumbent, it leads to a longer duration of results, which can take days or weeks to get official data. What should be recognized is that Ice Cube attempted to leverage his celebrity platform to work with both camps to fix their plans. The Biden-Harris plan titled Lift Every Voice and the other being titled The Platinum Plan. There's so much I can say about the title of The Platinum Plan, but I'll keep that for another episode. Ice Cube saw an opportunity to improve both parties' plans for Black America and create a conversation on what reforms are necessary to move this country in a positive direction compared to the current state of affairs involving Blacks and other people of color. To address this contract for what it is, the following 13 points are what was sent to the presidential candidate campaigns. Number one, representation. Adopt a plan of neo-reconstruction to redress past wrongs systematically imposed on Black Americans economically throughout many generations that has resulted in a wealth gap where the average white family has 10 times the wealth of a Black family. In addition to some of the economic initiatives li listed below, also formally apologize to Black Americans for past discrimination and slavery. Additionally, Black opportunity and representation will include affirmative action in schools, both public and private, per student funding in states on an equal basis instead of paid by local property taxes, Black representation on all government civil rights bodies, civil rights classes mandatory in elementary schools, gerrymandering reform, additional polling places in Black and minority neighborhoods, and Juneteenth to become a federal holiday. Number two, Lending reform. Bank lending will be regulated to require banks to lend a percentage of all loan and credit categories on an equal basis to the Black population it serves. However, the minimum threshold must yearly meet the percentage equal to the national Black population, which is currently at the approximate of 13.4%. Rates on Black loans federally and from banks need to be the same average rates as whites. Number three, federal funding. Pass federal programs providing each child with a government-funded trust account at birth, starting with a $1,000 contribution. 
As proposed by Senator Booker and Representative Presley, accounts are to be managed by the Treasury, and only those born into lower wealth families will receive more contributions each year, up to a total of $46,500. At age 18, access to the funds would be allowed, but the use would be restricted to asset-enhancing actions such as buying homes, starting businesses, and funding education. Number four, Federal Reserve. For qualified Black Americans, Federal Reserve to allow a one-time interest-free loan for home ownership. The Federal Reserve would then ensure banks and institutions it oversees to comply with bank lending reform. The Federal Reserve would also need to adopt a modern monetary theory with a goal of full employment and avoidance of actual inflation. Federal and state pension funds control over a trillion dollars. They must allocate 13.4% of their investments into Black-owned enterprises and businesses. Venture capital and private equity funds that take money from public ent entities excuse me, must invest 13.4% of their total funds in Black-owned businesses. Number five, finance oversight. A banking commission or even a cabinet or subcabinet post will be set up to overlook and report on black and minority lending, housing ownership and mortgages, and enforcement of items two and three above. Such authority will also oversee and audit federal programs such as Economic Opportunity Zones and Community Reinvestment Act to determine who is benefiting from disbursement of such funds. This will also provide for a transparent reporting mechanism for abuses to economic programs designed to benefit communities in need. Number six, data and credit. Most states publicly release bulk data about arrestees unchecked. Like the 1970 Fair Credit Reporting Act regarding credit data, there must be guidelines regarding arrest records that allow similar privacy and accuracy protections and the right to dispute and correct inaccurate data. Credit services will be reformed to mandate consideration of individual consumer data on rent, utility, cell phone, and other like bill payments. Number seven, prison reform. Privately run prisons will be abolished, prison labor disallowed without consent, and nonviolent offenders incarcerated for 10 years or longer will be freed if good behavior standards are met. All prisoners for marijuana possession freed. First offense for illegal drug use or possession to require government payment for entry into an approved drug rehabilitation program rather than imprisonment. Once any prisoner completes their sentence, voting rights must be restored. Number eight, judicial reform. Eliminate mandatory minimums and three-strike laws. The Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice needs to be reformed through stricter guidelines and greater oversight over police departments. The Department of Justice can also be sued for noncompliance. Lynching must become a federal hate crime and the Ku Klux Klan declared a terrorist organization. Number nine, Police Reform Act. Police reforms will be implemented in an expansive act that will at minimum include elimination of qualified immunity, requirement of mandatory malpractice insurance for police officers, make municipalities liable for unconstitutional actions by police, mandatory use of da dashboard and body cams, 
elimination of chokeholds and no-knock warrants, establishment of residency requirements, de-escalation training, and requirement to update training, as well as severe penalties for evidence tampering, including withholding DNA. A federal database of police and disciplinary records established and made public and once fired for cause cannot be rehired. Creation of Office of Independent Prosecutors to solely focus on prosecuting police accused of wrongdoing. Other reforms as listed in greater detail in the contract with Black America. Number 10, FCC licensing. Broadcast networks will be required to air Black produced content equal to 20% of the total content on the network as measured by time. Number 11, Confederate institutions. Elimination of all Confederate statues and uses or displays of Confederate flags on government grounds or property with public access. Rename all streets, schools, public structures, etc. named after Confederate soldiers or leaders. A memorial will be built in Washington, D.C. to victims of police excessive force. Number 12, the AJP program. Adoption of AJP, which is a public or private program that provides access to jobs and education and or training for people willing to put in the work and commitment. Lastly, number 13, Black responsibility. Chronic poverty creates an atmosphere of negativity, frustration, hopelessness, depression, alcoholism, drug abuse, crime, and violence. These are some conditions that plague the Black community, which is dealing with extreme generational poverty. As we begin to gain social and economic equality, it is our duty to clean up ourselves and our community. This contract is a two-way street. As we gain social and economic equality, we must begin to dissolve any bitterness in our hearts for past wrongs. We must become better citizens who are more productive on all levels of American society. We really must step up after we pass the contract with Black America with no more excuses. Our entertainers should be persuaded to deliver more positive content that leads our youth to make better choices in life. A new pride must develop with these new opportunities and we must fight against negativity, frustration, hopelessness, depression, alcoholism, drug abuse, crime, and violence. What I recognize as being a downfall in the communication between the candidates' campaigns and Ice Cube is that neither campaign advanced the mission set out in the contract. Talking about it is one thing, but implementing it is a whole different situation in itself. What must be acknowledged is that the Biden-Harris campaign told him, we love what you have, but let's really dig into it after the election. Whereas the other campaign said, we love what you have, do you mind talking to us about it? The tweet that came from 45's campaign should have never been published. It reads, shout out to Ice Cube for his willingness to step up and work with number 45's administration to develop the hashtag platinum plan. Katrina Pearson, who is the senior advisor to the campaign, should be ashamed for spreading such a lie because what's been outlined in the platinum plan does not even incorporate what is detailed in the contract with Black America. Now, what she did do was intentional. She wanted to drive attention to their campaign to try and win more voters with the quote-unquote endorsement of a Black celebrity that never even happened. 
What makes it worse is that Ice Cube has said that he never spoke with or even met her. So she just used him for a talking point, which has also negatively impacted his reputation. Being genuine and stating that the campaign appreciates his conversation with their campaign, oh, no, 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 that's not enough to cause the type of attention or even propel voters to choose number 45 come November 3rd. Ice Cube has made it more than clear that he has not endorsed either candidate and he's open to working with whichever team wins the presidency. He went on to say, I'm going to whoever's in power and I'm going to speak to them about our problems. I'm not going in there talking about minorities. I'm not going in there talking about people of color or diversity or none of that stuff. I'm going there for black Americans, the ones who are descendants of slaves. Now, what I've never understood is the cancel culture for what it's become. So to try and cancel Ice Cube for attempting to make America better for black Americans seems aggressive and I guess one-sided. It would have to be a celebrity of sorts or even leaders within Congress to make a convincing argument to both campaigns to address issues that impact black men, women, and children on a daily basis. My question is, if Black America is so upset with what Ice Cube has done, then who else should have led the charge for change? If his contract doesn't adequately address the needed changes for Black communities across this nation, do you have a blueprint to provide so that either camp can review and implement it in their plans? If Ice Cube is such a traitor to the Black community for working with both campaigns, not just the incumbents camp, Should there have been a non-Black advocate going on our behalf to encourage him to make America great for Blacks and other marginalized people in this nation? What solutions does Black America have for our current social climate? All I'm hearing is how he shouldn't have done that and how he didn't properly answer the questions issued to him by Roland Martin on his unfiltered program. I don't think most Black people understand the difficulty of acting as an activist for a group of people that you immediately identify with and want to see succeed with necessary reforms that can only be delivered from the powers that be. I truly believe that if 45's campaign didn't pull the stunt that they did with that tweet and Ice Cube had partnered up with other celebrities to push the contract forward, there wouldn't be a bunch of animosity for leading change with his individual platform. Now, I could be wrong, but my intuition is telling me I'm on course with this one. Let's take our last break, and when we come back, we'll get into Maurice's mashup and close out this episode. You're tuned in to the Let's Talk About It podcast. We'll be back in a moment. The Women's Inspirational Network is running a drive designed to help 500 children get the supplies they need at Bemis Elementary School in Rialto. If you have resources you would like to share, consider donating to this worthwhile cause. If donating tangible supplies, what's needed most is spiral notebooks, both one and three subject, pencils, whiteboard markers, pencil boxes, highlighters, crayons, colored pencils, glue sticks, scissors, and even privacy drivers for at-home workstations. You can donate funds or supplies by mail to the Women's Inspirational Network at 10808 East Foothill Boulevard, Suite 359 in Rancho Cucamonga, California, 91730. Or you may call 909-532-0713. 
What bothers me most about the electoral season is the constant mudslinging and finger-pointing of the candidates running for office, along with their supporters who defend their actions tooth and nail. As strong as supporters fight, many pull up information from non-reputable sources for the benefit of trying to make their candidate look like a better choice. Honestly, it's just a cheap way to promote a candidate without highlighting their qualities or their plan to improve America on a local, state, or federal level. I had a conversation recently with someone who was quick to offer claims of misconduct by our most recent retired president, as well as the 2016 opponent who has worn many hats in her career. I'm all for providing information that will lend to a good read and potentially enlighten me about the foundation of a person, whether it be personally or professionally. But in the age of Google, it's important to ensure that what you share is based on fact and not a narrative that has been regurgitated by a particular group. I say that to say that the claims given to me were completely false, as Google referenced many sources that proved what actually happened and how such actions were mischaracterized by an opposing party for the intent of tarnishing their names. Now, what I will say concerning the potential candidates 12 days from Election Day, one of them has had a history of working for this nation, along with White House experience that lends to a qualified candidate. While the other occupies the office of the president in a fashion that does not represent the best of this nation or fosters a sense of goodwill between different ethnic backgrounds. He tends to do many things for a photo op and to speak of what he's done, not the work of the team around him or the advisors who work hard to assist him in his official capacity. I'd rather see people own up to the fact that their support of Twitter fingers is in direct reference to the fact that our nation has had its first black president for eight years and they're essentially punishing us for that happening. Instead of going at it as pride of party, recognize that the commander of cantankerous behavior and a coy yet combed personality does not have the best interests of this nation at heart. This nation is not one of the many bankrupt businesses that you can try and fix when you're actually making things worse overall, while offering very subtle and minimal changes that are positive in nature. I'm not here to say that Joe Biden's past is without spot or wrinkle, because you can easily use Google to pull up his past. But he has grown and worked at changing his perspective to recognize his flaws and correct the poor behavior of yesteryear. The relationship that he maintains with our 44th president, both in office and out, speaks to the change in his way of thinking. Otherwise, he wouldn't have accepted the offer to become the 47th vice president of the United States. If I had to pick a candidate based on their past actions and behavior or their current actions and behavior, I would pick the reformed individual and give him a chance at running this nation no different than the chance given to President Tweedy. It can't be any worse than what's been experienced for nearly four years that he's been in this office. And if it is, we'll have another election in 2024 to try someone else out who will put country before self-image and represent us internationally with a heightened sense of dignity and integrity. We deserve to have that over the next four years. All right, everybody, that's a wrap for episode number four of the Let's Talk About It podcast. 
I thank you for listening to the sociological perspective about current political issues from the mouth of an African-American man. Whether you're listening to this broadcast from your computer, cell phone, tablet, or even part of your commute, your support of this broadcast is not taken lightly and you are greatly appreciated. If it's not too much trouble, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and even drop a review. Whatever your favorite podcast platform is, you'll see an option to follow or subscribe. Click the button and you're good to go. A five-star rating will also help to get this show among more listeners and move it up the ranks. Hopefully something was said today that connected with you or at least provided you with an alternative viewpoint about our current political climate and the potential impact on our near future. Remember, if you do nothing else, vote like your life depends on it, because it does. Once again, thank you for coming over to the Let's Talk About It podcast, and I look forward to sitting down with you at the table again soon. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Let's Talk About It podcast. We hope something that was said was both informative and transformative, in terms of your place in the world, and how various systems impact you. One person cannot change everything that's wrong, but, one person can begin the process of creating positive change. New episodes of the podcast will be available on Thursdays via your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, or other available networks, so be sure to spread the word about this show. If you have any comments relating to this episode, or suggestions for future episodes, you can submit those by email to talkaboutitpod at iName.com. You can also connect with the show on any of our social media accounts. We can be found on Facebook as the Let's Talk About It podcast, or you can reach our host directly via Instagram or Twitter with the handle at Maurice B, as in boy, 8703. Make sure if you do nothing else, be kind, stay humble, and work hard in all that you do. Until next episode, may love, peace, and blessings rest upon you.